One, two, three, four, one. Yeah. Every day, approximately 105 Americans commit suicide. Every 12.3 minutes, someone in the U.S. takes his or her own life. It is the second leading cause of death among 15 to 24 year olds and the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. overall. So there's no mistaking suicide is a very serious matter. And throughout film history, there have been countless serious movies that have seriously treated this subject matter with the seriousness that it deserves. Seriously. But every so often, however, comes that rare film that says fuck it and dares to find the dark humor and satire on the fringes of this national tragedy. And of course, it's those movies that we're going to discuss on today's episode of Slums of Film History. So all you Romeos, Juliets, Heralds, Mods, and of course Heathers out there, stop what you're doing and hop on the Slums bus with us today as we take a wacky ride to suicide. Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is normally not discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from murderous gays, to evil sandas, to horny nuns. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hey, Slate. Hi, Tom. How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, man. I'm wonderful. Excited about talking about suicide. <laughs> is this, yeah. this going to make me upset? No, I don't think so. You really stuttered when you said that. I know, because I'm not 100% sure that yeah. won't. But I think I juggled this one pretty good. We've had some pretty controversial topics before that we pulled through. You do. Mine are always super G-rated. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yours are very mild, but we'll see okay. what happens. All right. But anyway, did you have something to put out before we get into this whole thing? Yeah, sure. As always, we've asked for a lot of suggestions. We get such good ones. And we've, I mean, your last one was one, Blasphemy. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. I guess incest, probably. That's Marlis. Oh, Marlis. (laughs) Marlis really wants some incest. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. But I pulled three that I thought were super, super interesting. Not sure if we're going to do them or not. But this first one was from listener Sonia. And she said, what about an episode on gay films that are not cheesy gay romantic type movies, like the kind of classic storyline, but more of like leather, S&M, guys with big mustaches, being overtly sleazy. Um, And then she threw out Cruising and Taxi Zumclo. I thought that was super interesting. But I kind of said to her, and she might be a new listener, I was like, did you listen to LGBT psychopaths? Because we kind of did that. Well, you talked about Cruising at length. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, I thought that was a really interesting kind of thing we were just talking about Call Me By Your Name earlier today and just kind of like the stereotypes of like in a gay movie everybody
everybody has to die at the end. Like a gay character always has to die right. until recently Carol and uh, Call Me By Your Name. So it's kind of cool. I would have put money down that somebody from Carol was going to die because they set it all up. Yeah, totally. They had the gun and the angry husband and it's like somebody's going to get shot. It's a gay it's movie, a, so someone's right. got to die at the end. It's got to be Forbidden romance because yeah. of the 50s and somebody's going to die. Totally fine. It and totally it didn't, fine, yeah, yeah. I was quite surprised. We got an email from Chris who suggested wrestlers in movies not about <laughs> wrestling, <laughs> which I thought... I mean, that's, I can think of two. Okay, so I can think of zero. So they live, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Okay. He was also in Hell Comes to Frogtown. So so <laughs> you can think of one actor that was in two. Well, then, I mean, Hulk Hogan was in a bunch of shit. Hulk Plus, Hogan, some yeah, of yeah. these other more recent wrestlers were in... Oh, like The Rock and like... Well, him, but yeah. then like, I don't know, one of the ones that was like, wasn't he in a firefighting movie or something? I don't know. I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, the only thing I could think of wasn't even a movie, but who played Cindy Lauper's dad in the Girls Just Want to Have Fun video? Lou Albano. Albano? Uh, yeah. Al- Albino. Yeah. We'll split the difference. Yeah, that sounds good. And that's the one that I thought of. And then this last one was sent to us by Super Tickax. That's not a real name. It's like a, you know, that's not a, a handle. I don't think someone's name is Super, but whatever. Maybe, yeah. maybe it is. Mm. Who wrote, have you guys ever thought about doing a crossover movie episode? So Superman versus Batman's Alien versus Predator, Billy the Kid versus Dracula, King Kong versus Godzilla, you know, kind of a crossover episode. That's kind of a cool idea. That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, if they actually had made the Ilsa versus Bruce Lee movie, uh-huh, right, sure. I would have I've been all over that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of these are more mainstream. I say they're more mainstream than what we normally do some of the time, but we've talked about a lot of mainstream movies, especially this season. Yeah. So I don't know. Fuck it. Yeah. Who knows? It's you know? kind of cool. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm talking about fucking suicide, so, you know. Yeah, what's more mainstream than suicide? <laughs> So, anything else? That's it. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. So, as you brought up earlier, you were worried a little bit here. Tom also said, I think we all both need a drink for this one. So, yeah, yeah. I did say that. So, we do need a drink for this one. Slate is drinking as we speak. You probably heard that. And this is probably one of the most difficult episodes I've done, not necessarily for the topic, but for the sheer breadth of the topic. Mm -hmm. And I made this mistake before because when I did the Nazi episode, that was fucking huge. I was just thinking it up and I was like, I'm going to do Nazis. And then I researched it and I'm like, what the fuck am I getting into? So I had to narrow it down to a certain type of portrayal to get any type of episode out of it. So this one, I was on the same path of going, what the fuck am I going to write about? Mm -hmm. And really, as we go along, you're going to say there's really only a couple movies I really wanted to talk about which is the spawn of this episode. So I just sort of pulled it into that. That's why this is called Wacky Ride to Suicide, which is a very off-color title, but uh-huh. it does express accurately what this is about. Because there's a lot of movies, or at least a few that I found, I shouldn't say a lot of movies, that find a bit of dark humor in the topic. Right. So I'm always interested in a movie that dares to do something bold like that. Mm -hmm. And so I managed to call them together and here's my episode. But I am worried about it a little bit because again, you know, this is not a funny topic at all. Sure. Yet these movies that we found were able to find something, at least in regarding the issue of suicide. They tried to diffuse it a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, sure. And so it's it's fascinating to me and we're going to get started. But again, I had to draw this in. So there's a lot of things that I skipped. There's going to be plenty of movies I skipped. So Mm -hmm. I know our listeners are going to be probably flooding us with a bunch of shit that we should have and that's fine that's always good so first up I'm just going to do a little bit of history Mm -hmm. I found a lot of tidbits and a lot of of little bits of trivia here on the history of suicide portrayed in pop culture and in movies suicide trivia suicide trivia so I'm going to talk about that a little bit because the history stuff's always fascinating but just to touch on a little bit first of all if I'm going to start and talk about suicide presented in culture I need to start with William Shakespeare okay because he's probably one of the most famous writers that used it to good effect and of 
Course's most famous tragedy is Romeo and Juliet with two <laughs> teenagers who kill themselves to be together. But you've also got Othello. He killed himself. Sure. Ophelia commits suicide in Hamlet. So, you know, all of his tragedies, people kill themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this is great literature and art. So this stuff's been around for a long time. But moving on to movies, I was trying to say, okay, what's the first movie that deals with this topic at all? And the first one I could find, and it may not be the very first one, but it's definitely the first one I could find, is a 1909 film called Suicide Club. Mm-hmm. And it's based on a book by Robert Louis Stevenson. It's about this group of people who infiltrate the secret society of people who are intent on losing their lives. So it's like they kill each other. I don't know. It's okay. kind of weird. Yep. So not really actual suicide, but it's as close as you could find for mm-hmm. that. 1911, there was a movie called Josh's Suicide. And this is probably the first comedy that touches on the suicide topic. What because year? 1911. It's about this guy who writes a suicide note. It's a phony suicide note and then leaves home to go on the sightseeing holiday. He doesn't want to be married anymore or he's annoyed with his wife or whatever. But his wife ends up following him and I guess mayhem ensues. But no real suicide, but it deals with the topic. It's the first one I could find that was like a comedy based Mm -hmm. on that. 1938, here's an interesting fact. A woman named Florence Lawrence is considered the first movie star to have died by suicide. Oh, she's the one that jumped off of the Hollywood sign. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, so you know about that. Oh, yeah. She's considered the first movie star that killed themselves. And she actually left a suicide note. Yeah, it was in the pocket of her coat. Yeah, and it says, Dear Bob, call Dr. Wilson. I am tired. Hope this works. Goodbye, my darling. They can't cure me. Lovingly, Florence. P.S. You all been swell guys. Everything is yours. So that was what her suicide note said. Yeah. Also in 1938 was the first suicide on TV film, hmm. although it was not broadcast. But what happened was this individual named Marion Perloff jumped to her death from the 11th floor of the Time and Life building in New York City. And this would have just been another suicide of many that would occur that year because of the Great Depression. But something made this you know, particularly unique, obviously, it was captured by a TV camera. It was by accident. Somebody was just filming street stuff and they caught it. Oh, really? Yeah. And of course, at that time, television was still very much in its infancy. A bare bones TV would cost you 400 bucks which is like 7,000 bucks in today's money so mm-hmm. it's super fucking expensive and nobody had them and there's hardly any channels anyway so there wasn't really much you would get from TV anyhow but again just to, to round the story out yeah NBC cameraman was fucking around with his camera and captured it fun fact you feeling good about this great yeah <laughs> okay okay so that was just some tidbits of history since we always talk about history and I found that stuff fascinating the next piece of this that I want to talk about is sort of my attempt to hit the broad brush strokes of this topic okay and most of my research for this piece is from a book called Death and the Moving Image, Ideology, Iconography, and I by Michelle Aaron. This book really goes into the weeds regarding the representation of death and suicide in movies and how it's influenced by and in turn influenced culture. So I'm not going in the weeds, but what I found interesting here and what this book I think does really good is it actually breaks down the suicide tropes that you see in movies. Okay. And it actually breaks it down into five different ones and you'll recognize them immediately. So I'm going to start. The first one is known as professional suicide. Mm-hmm. And that is when characters go into a situation knowing it will be their death. For example, a lot of war films do that. Saving Private Ryan, sure. Glory, mm-hmm. or if someone fends off an enemy so their comrades can escape, which just happened in the recent Star Wars movie. Uh-huh. Makes sense? Uh-huh. Sure. Dunkirk was a, another Yeah, another one. Yeah. yeah. Also, Independence Day and Armageddon, you know, mm-hmm. when Bruce Willis kills himself to break up the asteroid or whatever yeah. the fuck. Yeah. Okay. So, the next one is honorable suicide. Oh. <laughs> I know you're going to make a joke suicide. about that. Uh-huh. 
And this is characterized as a suicide done by persons or groups of people who live by a certain code. So samurai film or something where if they did something dishonorable, they would kill themselves. Mm -hmm. But it also can extend itself to mob movies too. For instance, like Godfather 2, where one of the characters who was going to testify against Michael Corleone, he ended up honorably killing himself. And the movie In Bruges, which we talked about before, Uh it had Ray Fiennes' character who lived by a code and said, if I ever killed a kid, I would kill myself. And he does that. Yeah, right. That's the honorable suicide. Suicide. Then there's the dishonorable suicide to flip that. And that's where someone takes a speedy exit as a result of dishonor or an omission of guilt. And it's to evade punishment or humiliation. Mm-hmm. So for instance, a good example of this is the warden in the movie Shawshank Redemption. Uh-huh, right. When the cops were about to bust in there and he kills himself while right. they'd be taken in. Yeah. That's a great example. And we see that a lot in movies. Yeah. To further add discomfort to this topic, Mark Salling, who was the guy from Glee who was arrested and just convicted on child pornography, uh, just killed himself. Damn instead of going to jail. So just to make this topic even worse, I brought child pornography into it too. So (laughs) thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) Good God. All right, so moving on. The fourth trope here is the to avoid dying suicide, to include assisted or preemptive dying. These protagonists choose to die a better death than the one that's in store for them. Usually it's from a debilitative ailment. Yeah. A good example of this is the movie Million Dollar Baby where Hillary Swank's paralyzed and she chooses to end her life. Yep. Another one is, spoiler, the most recent three billboards where Woody Harrelson's character, who's fatally ill with uh, aggressive cancer, decides to spend one more really good day with his wife and his children and then kill himself at the end of that day and then of course he leaves notes for everybody yeah which is kind of an interesting plot point because you expect Woody Harrelson to make it throughout the entire movie and kind of like kind of right before the middle of the movie he kills himself and you're yeah. like oh shit where where are we going from here now so it's yeah. kind of a shocking thing you know so I have a subcategory for this one, and this one's called the scene at all suicide. Mm-hmm. You don't see this much anymore. This used to be in a lot of cartoons, like Warner Brothers cartoons, Tom and Jerry cartoons, and it's played for laughs. It's always played for laughs. And what it is that it occurs is when a cartoon character having seen some outrageous sight or something outrageous happens, they basically like, now I've seen everything, and pull out a gun and shoot themselves mm-hmm. uh, with a pistol to the head yep. is usually how it's mostly done. Hilarious. And of course, the reason this might happen is this character feels like they finally cracked and they want to end their lives before. Or they they go crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, the overall twist. So that's why I looped it in with the avoid dying thing because they're going to go crazy. And right now I'm going to show Slate a clip. There's actually a greatest hits clip of that with all these cartoon characters shooting themselves and Slate's about to watch it right now. Okay. It's mostly cartoon characters shooting themselves in the head. Which they don't die from, or they just kind of, some of them don't. It's comical death. That trope, that sub-trope is always played for There's no blood, there's no holes in the head, there's just like a big bang of smoke, and then kind of like a ghostly version of them, like, appears. Yeah. Donald Duck is about to shoot himself. (laughs) It's fucked up. I mean, it's not fucked up. I remember watching all this stuff as a kid yeah. because it was still in the cartoons. They've started editing that out so it's not really in them anymore. So that's why this trope is kind of dying, as, as no pun intended, as far as being seen in media. Porky Pig just hung himself. That's <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Whatever that skunk. Um, Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, Pepe Le Pew just jumped out of a window. Yeah. You don't have to watch the whole thing. I'm... I kind of like it. Is that <laughs> weird? That makes me weird. And, well, there's plenty of other things that make you weird than that. Tom and Jerry sit on a railroad track. Waiting for a train, probably. Yeah. Because they're depressed or whatever. Okay. All right. Good. So, yeah. I so, like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm sure you remember probably seeing some of those sure, when you were sure. a kid. 
All right, so my next one is the counterpoint to the avoid dying trope. This is the avoid living trope. And this is the one that's just you're willingly ending your life. This is the one where all the teen suicide stuff and everything is grouped into. Good example of this is the virgin suicides where the sisters decide to end their life. I hate that movie. Do you? Yeah. Leaving Las Vegas where Nick Cage was determined to drink himself to death and he does. I like that one. That's a good movie, yeah. yeah. It's interesting to note that all the other examples of screen suicide has a justification for the act. You know, like the other ones before this, the avoid dying is they want to have a better death. One's a professional, one's for honor. So there's all these other external justifications for it. The, the avoid living trope, there's no other justification. It's And that's really the most standard suicide when you think of suicide uh-huh, reason. Sure. Also, the one that's represented the least in media and movies because nobody really wants to see a bunch of people just kill themselves. Right, right. But of course, there are movies that do that. We'll talk about that. A sub bit of this is the aggressive suicide, aka a suicide meant to punish others. It's sort of like a revenge suicide, so to speak. Do you remember the film Cache, Michael Haneke film? Oh, sure. The guy that slits his own throat? Yeah. Yeah, that's an example of that. It's a great movie. And then the last one of this trope I want to talk about is the mass or cult suicide trope. Mm -hmm. And that one involves not just an individual, but many people. It can also be tied to the professional suicide trope because like a war unit is going together to die together, Mm -hmm. you know? Sure, or you've got the Heaven's Gate situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also it could be something like Downfall, you know, where Hitler and his whole bunker, they kill themselves. Mm -hmm. Or it can also include a movie where there's a culture of accepted euthanasia slash suicide. A good example of that is Soylent Green. Oh, sure. And Children of Men. Remember uh-huh. they had the people who could kill themselves and right, it was acceptable yeah. and you mm-hmm. could go buy a kit to kill yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an example of that. Having fun? <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as I thought it was. No, actually, no. Yeah. So like I said, I'm focusing this episode primarily on the avoid living suicide trope, which is where most films and shows that feature the suicide of teens, as I said, and young people reside. It's also where most of these dark comedies reside that I'm going to talk about that deal with this topic. So the first thing I found actually was a book called 21 Delightful Ways of Committing Suicide. Okay. It was written in 1930, right around the time of the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. So there was suicide aplenty. And it was written by author Jean Brûler. Brulé, maybe? I don't know. He's a French cartoonist. Uh, his premise was simple. Make some creative ways for self-destruction. I have a thing for you, so Slate's going to look at this book while we're here. Okay. It's really not all that it's funny. It's like, like a picture book. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. it's just a picture book. It's like a nice coffee table book you could put out, you know? All right, yeah. So just to kind of describe a couple of the scenarios, it's like people poisoning their own drinks and... We don't have to look at it anymore. I just wanted to mm-hmm. kind of get expose you to sure. it. It's interesting. Yeah. But well, it's interesting more so for me, just to round this part off, is that even in 1930, where people were killing themselves all the fucking time during the Great Depression era, I mean, it was bad. Mm-hmm. A lot of people lost everything. Uh, you know, this guy, for better or worse, funny or not, you know, made this little comedic take on it. Yeah, kind of took the piss out of it a little bit. Yeah, so... I got um, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first movie I'm going to talk about, and certainly this isn't probably the first, I mean, I talked about other films, but certainly this isn't the first movie to, to deal with this maybe in this light, but it's one of the greatest in my opinion, is Harold and Maude from 1971. Oh, I love that movie. So for those who don't know, this movie is starring Bud Court and Ruth Gordon. She was still fresh off her Oscar win for Rosemary's mm-hmm. Baby, mm-hmm. and it was scored by Cat Stevens. The score's not so bad. And if you want to sing out, sing out. Yeah. Oh, that song, yeah. Yeah, it's good. So Bud Court plays Harold Chasen. He's this like friendless little geeky kid is he in his 20s i forgot or is he like a teenager yeah i think he's a teenager okay and he's obsessed with death yeah and he stages these fake suicides to piss his mom off to scare his mom which it never scares her and actually the first time you see him he hangs himself or quote unquote hangs himself his mom walks in the room and i guess she just gets on the phone and she's 
not affected one bit and it's the weirdest thing and then you realize he's just faking it and she's just annoyed that he keeps trying to fake these suicides that he's done this before and that she's yeah this isn't the first time this has happened right he also drives a hearse he starts going to funerals of people he doesn't know which is how he meets her which is how he meets Maud she does the same thing and she's the exact opposite she's 79 years old and she is full of life yeah she enjoys living or whatever and he latches onto her and they form a relationship yeah and he fucks her and he fucks her yeah Yeah, I feel like you have something to say about this movie. I love this movie. It's one of those movies that we're lucky exists because it was not successful when it came out. It was not popular. A lot of people really didn't care for it. It was a movie that kind of came out and just had like such an interesting tone, but it just, the tone was incorrect, like at the time. And we're just really lucky that someone just stuck it through and like made that movie because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a great movie. I'd seen it a long time ago and I watched it again for this podcast and I was really taken aback by it. Yeah, it um, do, it takes no easy roads. Is not even structured like a typical movie. It's a, a fine film. Yeah, I want to back up a little bit and talk about some of the fake suicides in here because he tries to hang himself, quote unquote. Right. He looks like he cut himself up. Yeah, and he's all like slit his wrist or whatever. And of course, his mom's bitching at him because like, he got the place dirty. I don't know. Yeah, he fakes trying to light himself on fire while his mom is. See, well, let me back that up and say his mom's been trying to get him to date somebody, so yeah. he's been hiring a dating service. So he she brings a girl over he's outside he goes and looks like he lights himself on fire and then kind of walks in and the girl's like this guy's fucking crazy right yeah and and runs off but my favorite one that he does here is his mother's on the phone i think she's oh no she's filling out a questionnaire for him for a dating service and he's loading a pistol sitting near her that's right and she's answering the questions and yeah she's getting on his nerves and of course he pulls the trigger and his chair flies back but all he does is annoy his mom yep I love it so it's a great movie and it's ridiculous and spoiler what ends up happening is Ruth Gordon turns 80 and he's happy to be with her he's sort of kind of changed his worldview mm-hmm. but then on her 80th birthday she tells him she took poison and she's gonna die yep and he's like what you know drives her to the emergency room but she dies and it's a really interesting thing here's this depressed kid who fake kills himself and then we have the juxtaposition of this woman who's full of life, but decides to end her life when she still can do things that she wants to do. Right. That's her rationale for it. For some reason, I really found this movie really uplifting at the yeah, end. Yeah, it's kind of inspiring. And then right. you kind of expect him to kill himself for real at the end. Yeah, and they play he, that up too. And he doesn't. He yeah. goes on and kind of, it, this gives him life. You know, yeah. her, her death and seeing her like really do it and just how much she loved life like gives him life again. It's right. super cool. Yeah, because what he does, and spoilers and already spoiled most of the movie he's driving the car because his little hearse which is like a jaguar hearse or something it's actually kind of a cool car it is he drives his hearse and he's going really fast because you think oh god he's gonna do it now because she died Mm -hmm. and it shows the car go over this cliff yeah and smash on these rocks below and then it shows him up top and he's got the banjo she gave him and he walks away yeah he walks away from i guess his morbid curiosity so yeah it was a really great movie yeah as you said at the time it didn't get very good reviews roger Ebert gave it one and a half stars out of four at the time and he wrote and so we get finally is a movie of attitudes Harold is death Maud life and they managed to make the two seem so similar that life's hardly worth the extra bother he was so wrong yeah. and I think he reassessed it later well the movie I just looked it up it has an 86% on Rotten yeah, Tomatoes it's come around. so it's come around yeah fun fact this film was adapted to a stage play and the original Broadway production 
closed after four performances in 1980. Oof. So it, it didn't do well. Maybe they can bring it back. 1980 probably wasn't a time for something like this, just because right. that was... It wasn't a good time for that. Yeah, it was like, there was a big time of like optimism for yeah. America, and this doesn't seem like an optimistic movie. No, it yeah. does not. Wrong year. Wrong year. So I just want to point out, before we leave Harold and Maude, it's one of the best examples I have in this episode, because it's definitely a movie that really shows a darkly humorous side to what appears to be a suicidal kid only to be a very life-affirming film at the end in my opinion yeah i agree the next movie i want to talk about is called the end from 1978 i think i know this one it stars burt reynolds dom DeLuise, and sally field it's like a smoky and the bandit reunion with suicide so it's about this real estate promoter played by burt reynolds and he learns that he has a fatal blood disease and decides to commit suicide rather than endure slow and painful death he then takes the time to meet with several friends and family members one last time blah 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 he tries to get help with don DeLuise to kill him he basically hires dom DeLuise to kill him Mm -hmm. but this movie is straight up just like hijinks shit oh really yeah yeah i forgot about this movie i almost didn't include it but i had to include it i'm gonna have slate watch the trailer this is sonny lawson he's just reaching the prime of life but he's also reaching the end facing death he's determined to commit suicide even if it kills him it's against the law you know to kill yourself you're kidding i'm in love with the idea of killing myself you're sure having a hard time doing it the end starring burt reynolds as a man who's about to die what's that supposed to mean it means lying in the ground with dirt on your face and holding your breath forever the end a comedy for you and your next of kin I have a million things to say. Like, I started (laughs) writing things down so I wouldn't forget. First off, Burt Reynolds looks... Two things about him. One, he looks a little bloated in this movie, Mm. which is kind of weird because he's supposed to be, like, super, super hot at this time. Mm -hmm. Also, he's not a good comedian. Like... Burt Reynolds in a comedy really just isn't a great idea. Mm. He's just bad at like reactions and stuff. Something like Deliverance, great. Even in Smokey and the Band, the movie that I actually kind of enjoyed. It's kind yeah. of like an action movie a little bit. Good. He's a decent actor. He's fine. Right. Comedy, really not his thing. Hmm. Especially in the feature film Cop and a Half, which I actually <laughs> saw in the theater when it came Good out. Good God, what's wrong with you? I don't know. Also, Carl Reiner is in this. A lot of people like, are in this. This is a lot of joy on Woodward like this is a big movie I've never heard of it and it looks terrible I saw it years ago and I think I saw it way too young which I seem to see a lot of movies when I'm way too young and I really thought this was like Cannibal Run or something Mm -hmm. at first and I was like this this isn't good I mean it got really shitty reviews Mm -hmm. it's forgettable whatever but yeah it's just seems like poorly thought out and I'm down for a, a comedic movie about suicide. I sure. would totally watch that. I mean, that's one of the great things about Harold and Maude is that the movie is emotional. It's right. not, it, it does treat suicide like, you know, for comedy, but there is also a very dark side to that. This is just like, oh, he's trying to hang himself and he can. And right. like, and then people slap themselves and like a bunch of like stupid gags. Like, yeah, there's no emotion to it. I mean, I just watched the trailer, but. Well, I'll tell you how, it, spoiler, how it ends, but mm-hmm. nobody gives a shit, but it tries for that by the end because uh-huh. you know he's failing at killing himself so he's out in the ocean swimming and he's like basically making a deal with God to please you know mm-hmm. I just want to live the rest of my days to the best or whatever and he comes back to land and like Dom DeLuise was still trying to kill him he doesn't kill him ultimately they end up just hanging out and running around the waves or whatever it's really stupid but they tried to make it sound like he was like finding something life affirming by the end but yeah. it was really like after a bunch of slaps yeah it's too late it's too late yeah. yeah so it's a big failure but it's so ridiculous I had to add it alright so 
moving on from that, then, well, actually, let me back up. So before I leave this one, I just want to point out that the trope that this one follows is the same one as Harold Maude, basically. Yeah. It's the avoid dying trope. You know, she did it before I she see. becomes uh-huh. infirm. Sure. He did it because he was dying from a fatal blood disease. So yeah, I just found it interesting that these fit into that trope. The next movie definitely fits into the avoid living trope, but this is a goofy comedy with a suicide piece to it. But I, actually, I love this movie. I've mm-hmm. always loved this movie when I was a kid. Better Off Dead from 1985. Yeah. Starring John Cusack. I, I remember nothing about the movie. So, really? Yeah, I mean, I saw it years ago and people keep being like, Better Off Dead, right? Like, and I'm always like, mm, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, it's also slapstick. It's a really weird movie because there's so many little weird idiosyncrasies and it's not realistic at all, obviously. But it's so many things and it manages to have so many 80s tropes in it mm-hmm. that it's, I just absolutely love this movie. What it's about is John Cusack is this kid named Lane Meyer and he's suicidal after his girlfriend breaks up with him shortly before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So he keeps trying to kill himself, but these mishaps keep happening. Like he'll start to, but change his mind. That's how they kind of work it in there. Like he's like setting it up and he's like, this is crazy. What am I doing? And then something will happen where he almost dies doing it. Like for instance, he's in the garage near the garage door to the house and he's like, has a noose on his neck and he's about to hang himself and he's like, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? I don't want to die. And then his mom like is vacuuming and she opens the door and knocks him off the thing. Uh-huh. He's sure, like sure, almost sure. hanging. I, I, I find those jokes funny. I think I, I find those jokes funny too. Another time his dad had just fixed the garage door and he wants to kill himself again so he's in the car and he has the, the car running but he passes out puts it in gear and it ramps to the door right after his dad had finished decorating it uh-huh. and they're all like like what the fuck and then my favorite one which I gave you the clip is when he's on this bridge and he's about to jump off I'm gonna let you watch it okay so that was pretty funny he's standing on a bridge and then a guy comes to him and like it's pats him on the back his friend is like I'm right behind I'm you buddy right behind and he hits him and then buddy. he falls off the bridge but he falls into a garbage truck and lands on garbage and then as they're driving away two black guys that are like trimming what do you call it trimming hedges trimming trees or whatever are like man that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that I love that scene. That's a good joke. That's yeah. a good joke. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. So the movie's full of funny stuff like that. It's actually really a funny movie. And after a while, the suicide pieces of that sort of fall away. But the other thing about the film is that it becomes a slob versus snobs type of 80s trope where mm-hmm. he's in a skier and he's got to beat the asshole guy in a skiing competition. South Park made fun of it in their Aspen episode, kind mm-hmm. of like where he's in a skiing competition. Right, right. So there's a lot of funny, crazy shit in this movie, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's very slapstick. And so the suicide parts are sort of because they're joking because he always changes his mind but then something bad happens to him it takes a lot of bite out of it Mm -hmm. you know so it's not that bad but what's interesting is the director Savage Steve Holland which Mm -hmm. is what he goes by he said that the suicide attempts which inspired this movie actually kind of happened to him he said that he wanted to kill himself when he was a teenager he went into the garage put an extension cord on a pipe and he's standing on a garbage can and he's like thinking should I do this is this maybe not a good idea anyway it was a plastic garbage can and his weight crashed through it and he fell and fortunately the pipe broke uh-huh. but it starts pouring water everywhere and his mom comes out and starts yelling at him about breaking the pipe which is what his mom would do right of course so so it actually was kind of based off a true story oh wow anyway Siskel and Ebert gave this movie two thumbs down but I love this movie I think it's John Cusack's best film next to Gross Point Blank I think a lot great. of people love this movie yeah people really ask good. us about this all the time and I'm always yeah. like oh I haven't seen it so I'm gonna put that on my list so it, it manages to treat it slapsticky but it's not the only piece of the movie and um, you know they do a lot better 
making it slapsticky than fucking the end. So there you go. <laughs> All right, my next film. Guess what my next film is? It's probably Heather's. Yes, Heather's from 1988. It's the meat of this whole yeah. fucking episode. I've been dying to just talk about this movie, and here it is. A lot of people love this movie. Most people probably know about it. You're but sitting in the room with someone who loves this movie. I know. Mm-hmm. There's two people in this room that yeah. love this movie, but it is a 1988 movie. 88 or 89? I have it as 88, but some places say it's 89, but I think it's 88. It stars Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, Shannon Doherty, and the film portrays four teenage girls, three of whom are named Heather, in a clique at an Ohio high school. Winona Ryder plays Veronica. She's a girl who's sort of being groomed to join the group. She ends up falling in with this bad boy who's played by Christian Slater, who's doing his damnedest to be... Jack Nicholson. Yes, mm-hmm. and he does a good job. They end up inadvertently killing one of the popular Heathers. They make it look like a suicide, and then things just sort of spiral out of control from there. It's one of my favorite movies, and I can never get bored with watching it. Yeah, I agree. Also, poorly reviewed and didn't do very well at the box office. It did not. Yeah. It didn't. But among other things to love about this movie, one of the things it does extremely well is the way it addresses the suicide piece of this because the Heathers are being murdered, but it's set up as though it's a suicide. Actually, mm-hmm. one of the Heathers is murdered and these two jocks, Ram and Kurt, yeah. are killed as well. But I'm talking about the first Heather because, you know, it's a great statement on what happens after suicide within schools because what it shows is, number one, everybody's trying to find meaning in her suicide right. note. All these people that Everyone like, loves her. Everyone people loves that her. Didn't know where they were her best friend right yeah it's a really really dark bitter amazing comedy and that statement of kind of what happens after a suicide is is relevant today and i think it's insightful and amazing yep, totally and just darkly funny but i gotta talk about the two jocks so kurt and ram were these <laughs> douchey fucking dude bros and winona Ryder and christian slater christian slater's misleading her and make it sound they're just gonna scare him because they said that they tag teamed winona Ryder or something and got made that around school that they right. yeah had sex with her and so christian slater's character is like he already kind of tricked Winona Ryder into killing the first Heather, Heather and so. now he's tricking her saying these are fake bullets but they're gonna make it look they're like they're scare, actually him, a little shot, bit, scare yeah. him a little bit he ends up killing them but they set it up to make it look like they were in a gay love affair and yeah. that they wrote a note that says you know our forbidden love and stuff like that but are you talking fun? about the bag or you yeah, 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 talk about it I forgot what else was in it was it like a mail magazine it might have been but it was bottled water it was mineral it was water mineral water was in it <laughs> and, and the cops were like oh god <laughs> <laughs> mineral water they're gay <laughs> so funny such an they 80s make them, gay yeah, signifier I guess they make she like tricks them into thinking that she's gonna actually have a threesome with them so they have to take oh, off their right. clothes yeah. they run around in their underwear and then Christian Slater shoots both of them right and then they frame them as gay with mineral water it's my favorite thing ever also yeah. I love mineral water so and the funeral is also amazing right. because one of the jocks dad is giving a speech about it and of course he says the best line my son a homosexual and I love him I love my dead gay son. So I'm going to talk about the musical in a little bit, but the musical version, they have a song called I Love My Dead Gay Son. Yeah, sure. It's actually pretty good. They were not dirty. They were not crude. They were just two straight laces in the Lord's big boots. Well, I never cared for homos much until I read me one. But now I've learned to love. 
So interesting take on this. This movie, it has two actual suicide attempts in it. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that are played off as a suicide are murders, but it actually has two attempts. One is Martha Dump Truck. Martha Dump Truck. She pens a suicide note on big her clothes and shirt. walks yeah, in front of a fun shirt. And of course, after that, she's mocked by one of the Heathers saying she's just trying to act like the popular kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's fucked up. And then the other one is one of the Heathers. She was embarrassed by something. Something was either published about her. And so she tries to kill herself with pills. She doesn't succeed. That's right. Yeah. And that's another thing I want to talk about this movie. You know, the Heathers are all like white privileged bitch girls. They're terrible. Blonde. You know, they run the school. They're awful. But they also have their own little problems. Like Shannon Doherty, she's got like an eating disorder. This yeah. one, you know, is depressed. She tried to kill herself. The main Heather that was killed, she's still treated like a piece of meat by college kids. She's still got insecurity problems. So they're, they're monsters, but there's like a little bit of something to it. Yeah, sure. Even Christian Slater's character, who is also a monster, you know, his dad is he like a abusive a, dad. Has, yeah. yeah, his dad's like a psychopath. He saw his mom die, you know, yeah. she committed suicide. So there's a little bit of stuff in there, but there's so many things to enjoy in this movie. You got anything to add on this? I just love the movie so much. And I remember the first time I saw it was at a friend's house. I, I mean, I was super young. It came out, I think it was 89. So I probably saw it when I was 10 or 11. Yeah. And as a 10 or 11 year old kid, I should not have understood nor liked this movie. Yet I was just like obsessed with it. You right. know? I loved the movie. I thought it was so good, which was probably a pretty good indication that I was going to be a gay person. So, huh. fair enough. Sense. Yeah. You know, when the movie came out, like you said, it was poorly reviewed. Now it has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Because it's, it's a fucking amazing. Yeah. It's interesting how it's satire on the tragedy of suicide, you know, and it flips it around to the aftermath of it. It kind of shines that funhouse mirror on it, but it tells a lot of truths. Yeah, sure. You know, in the midst of all of its satire, and we'll talk about that some more. And we're going to talk about the remake in a bit. But right now, I want to talk about some urban legends. Mm -hmm. So you may have heard of this, but supposedly a standard college regulation specifies that a student whose roommate commits suicide automatically receives a 4.0 grade point average for the current school term. Right. Have you heard of this? Yeah, sure. They made a movie about it. An MTV movie. We're going to talk about that. Okay, sorry. This dates back to the 70s. And for some reason, it gained a lot of popularity in the 90s. So much so that two movies came out in 1998, the same year for some reason. Mm -hmm. The first one is called Dead Man's Curve, a.k.a. The Curve. Uh Uh-huh. Starring Matthew Lillard. You know, he was in Scream. Yeah, of course. And uh, Carrie Russell. It's about these people who heard about this supposed policy. They're all doing shitty in school, so they want to get a good GPA. They kill one of their roommates and... And I guess they throw him off a cliff to make it look like he jumped. Right. Unfortunately, his body wasn't recovered. It got swept away to sea or something. And so they don't get the 4.0 grade point average. So then they start turning on each other. It sort of sounds like it kind of digresses into Shallow Grave. Remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, sure. It sounds like it kind of goes that route where they turn on each other and everything goes bad. It's forgettable. I never saw it. I never even heard of it. I never heard of it. I thought you said the title wrong, but I guess because the next title is. mm -hmm. So then the next one is called Dead Man on Campus, also from 1990. Right. That is the black comedy movie from MTV Films that stars Zach Morris yeah, from Zach. Zach Saved by the Bell. And again, same basic premise. These two failing college kids find out that there's a you know stipulation, of course, that if their roommate dies, they'll get a 4.0. So they try to find a roommate who's on the edge so they can push him over the edge of suicide so they can pass. Right. Did you see this movie? No. 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not good. And here's the thing with that. Well, first of all, MTV Films at the time were still... They did Joe's Apartment and everything. Yeah, and they didn't really never. start making good films until Election came out like the next year. Right. Election was their first good 
good movie, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It might have been their last. It might have been their last, which was also a very dark movie that committed to its premise. I think this movie, if someone read me that elevator pitch, I'd be like, that's the darkest, most fucked up movie. I'd be like, hell yeah, this sounds great. Yeah, yeah. And, and you should commit to it. I think what happens is they have this film and they're like, we can't be that dark. Right. Like, that's so fucked up. We've got to like middle of the road this a little bit. Because that sounds like gold, but you know, it was more goofy. They just sort of up the zaniness about it to take the edge off. But if they really had committed to the premise, this would have been like fucked up. Yeah. Like it could have been something. But I found it interesting that both of these movies just came out at the same time dealing with the same basic premise. They had two different takes on it. One was murder. One was trying to drive someone to suicide. Both were forgettable and shitty. It is funny that one of them was Matthew Lillard and the other one was Mark Paul Gosselar. Yep. And it was like those were kind of like the pinnacle of like teenagers, like early 20s, like heartthrobs at yeah, the time. Yeah. Mark Paul Gosselar never really translated from the TV world to the movie mm, world. No. I just looked him up and Beer Money, which I vaguely remember. I don't remember that at all. So. I don't remember any of these other movies. No. Uh, so he obviously kind of didn't really turn that uh, successful TV career into a movie career. That's too bad. Maybe if they'd have committed to the dark premise of Dead Man on Campus that he could have gone somewhere. Maybe so. Fun fact on that, CSI New York did an episode on this back in like 2007. The exact same thing. Somebody killed a roommate, I think, trying to make it look like suicide. And so just know, for everybody out there, that is complete bullshit. Anyone listening to this going, oh shit, that's yeah, a thing? Yeah, got a great idea. It is not a thing. Interesting side note, Mark Paul Gosseler was on CSI from 2014 to 2015. That is. Mm-hmm. He was in four episodes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. He's had a successful TV career. Like he was in like NYPD. Yeah, yeah, Blue, yeah. And like, He's uh, turned into like, I guess a Franklin capable Bash. Yeah, like character actor or whatever. Yeah, totally. Just movies, not his thing. Not so much. But moving on to my next film, you haven't heard of this film and I'm surprised, but it's called World's Greatest Dad from 2009. Mm-mm. This one is in a black comedy. Obviously, it's written and directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, wow. It stars Robin Williams. He's a, a teacher. He teaches poetry and he wants to be a writer. And his son's like a real asshole. Like he's a piece of shit. You know, and he's a high school kid. He's a total a douche. So what happens is one day he finds his asshole son dead, but from autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh, yeah. And so instead of... Yeah, so what he ends up doing, I guess to save his son and him some embarrassment, he stages it to look like a suicide, writes a suicide note, which makes his son sound like he's more complex than he was. Mm And somehow the note gets published in the school paper and his son becomes this posthumous, like sort of like celebrity, very much like Heather's where I was good friends with him. He was great. He liked, you know, he was a wonderful person. Since Robin Williams wants to be a writer and they were saying it was a beautiful suicide note, it was tragic. He starts to write a journal that he says was his son's. That I think ends up getting published I and it see. just cause uh-huh. it goes down this route of number one making his son sound like he was a better person than he was, but also having the effect on the school where he suddenly becomes glamorized as some sort of like lost tender soul when actually he sure. was a real piece of shit. Right, yeah. The movie does a really good job, again, with showing what happens post suicide, quote unquote, and how everyone deals with it until our students are basically like fighting against each other, saying, you know, you didn't like him and you never liked him. You're never friends with him. I was friends with him and it just becomes very petty. Right. You sure. know, these last on the glamour of what they think this person was about. Right. I found that really well done. The overall sadness here, which I know you're dying to talk about, is, you know, Robin Williams' character is a very lonely man, you know, and he's dating this woman in the school, in the in the movie. And at the end of the movie, he finally admits that his son didn't write the stuff, that he did it. Because they're about to commemorate the school library to, like, his son's name and mm-hmm. rededicate it to him. And when he's speaking at that, he finally let go of, because he started feeling guilty about it. Right, sure. So he let go of that. Of course, everyone thinks he's an asshole, blah, blah, blah. 
and the girl breaks up with him. But there's a scene where he runs in the pool, throws his clothes off, and jumps in the pool like he's clean of this guilt and Baptize this thing. Himself, yeah. yeah, so it's uplifting like that. He kind of pulls the pieces together, and he's a better person. But his character in this movie is a very sad, lonely man, and so I can't separate that from what happened. So watching it again mm. was extremely sad because Robin Williams that. killed himself. Yeah. So this movie has an added weight because of that. I mean, it's a decent black comedy. It's a decently done movie. It's got some Never interesting heard of choices this, yeah. in there. It's worth watching. I really world's best dad, world's greatest dad, and it got some pretty good reviews. I mean, it was acknowledged that it was dark as hell, but he got accolades for this movie. You know, again, it's a fake suicide, much like Heather's, but you know, the very real after effect of the suicide is portrayed in a dark, funny way, but I think in a truthful way because of it. All right, this is going on my list. All right, two good. movies that you got on my list. My, it's hard to get on my list, so yeah. yeah. So that's the last major movie I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about, but I've got some bonuses that I want to discuss. Sure. The first one is from The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. So The Breakfast Club, I'm sure everybody's seen it. You know, it's about kids in detention. It's got Anthony Michael Hall and Emilio Estevez and Ali Sheedy. And there's a scene in there where everyone's talking about what got them detention, why mm-hmm. they got there to begin with. They get to Anthony Michael Hall's character. He's a nerd. He's a math geek. And they're like, what, why'd you get in trouble for? And he's like, I brought a gun to school. You know, he was going to kill himself or felt like he needed to kill himself because of all the pressure from home and just he was miserable. And they build it up, you know, as a very dramatic scene. And it is, you know, him talking yeah. about it. And then they totally undercut it when they're like, it was a flare gun. Right. It's funny. It's a funny moment. Yeah. yeah it, they did a really good job of building up the, oh my God, this kid brought a gun to school. It's serious. And then the reveal of the flare gun is like, what? what yeah, the yeah. fuck? You know? And I really thought that that was a well done scene that deserved to be recognized. Mm-hmm. The next scene I want to talk about, that's my little bonus here, is from the movie MASH mm-hmm. from 1971. I talked about MASH before, I think, in another episode. But Profanity. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, profanity. First F word. That's right. So it's a, a black comedy war film by Robert Altman. Obviously, most people know it from the TV show, but it was based on this film. And it's an R-rated movie, and it's an interesting, weird, early 70s type of film, because even though it's about the Korean War and these doctors that are surgeons during the Korean War, it's also an analogy of Vietnam War, which was going on at the time that this movie came out, because Vietnam's still going on in 1971. But anyway, it stars Donald Sutherland and Tom Skerritt and Elliot Gould, and they're all surgeons. They're stationed at the 4077th Medical Battalion, whatever, and they're operating on people. And it's mostly a plotless movie. Like, it just has set pieces. It's a dark comedy, so there's a lot of funny moments, but it juxtaposes really like graphic surgery footage, mm-hmm. life-saving stuff with them doing hijinks, you right, know, either sure. fuck with the shower or playing golf or doing whatever weird shit and just kind of dicking around. And in one scene, there's a guy named Waldowski, aka the painless pole. He's a dentist at this medical battalion and he's like the best hung person there. He's got a huge dick, okay, but he can't get it up. He's impotent for some uh, reason. And so he announces his intention to commit suicide. So like all the other doctors agree to help him on his journey. So they have like this last supper. It's really blasphemous. I actually should probably have talked about it in blasphemy because they do a mock-up of the last supper. And then they like are going to lay him down and give him some poison to kill himself. I mean, they don't give him poison. It's all like a joke. I mean, the whole thing's played up as a joke. But two things to note from that, or one major thing to note from that is the song that they play is the song called Suicide is Painless, which mm-hmm. is the theme song from the MASH show. Right, right. But in the MASH show, you just hear the instrumental. The game of life is hard to play. is all I have to say. Suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. And I can take or leave it if I please. 
Anyway, the end of the scene is they um, get another doctor or nurse to have sex with him just so that he'll feel better about getting it up. And of course, he successfully screws this female doctor and, every, mm-hmm. and he's fine. But it's this big satire on this guy wanting to quote unquote kill himself and they even have a theme song for it. Right. So huh. I had to talk about that. The next thing I want to talk about and the reason I brought this up is because I've talked about all these like satirical suicide based films, but I wanted to juxtapose that with what I think is the most popular suicide based entertainment right now, which is the TV show 13 Reasons Why. Mm-hmm. It's a Netflix series. Have you seen this? I have not, although my work partner watched it with his wife because it's kind of like it's for teenagers. It is for teenagers. And his wife really wanted to watch it. And so every day he would come in and be like, let me tell you all about last night's episode. of." Did he like Reasons it? Why. Yeah, he loved it. Really? Yeah. Okay. He was like obsessed with it. He's so- a 40 year old bodybuilder. <laughs> and he I hope he listens to this podcast and he was obsessed with it yeah he loved it so everybody from work who listens mm-hmm. to this is gonna know his who name is Jason about. he frequently <laughs> is a contributor out. to the podcast yeah. yeah yeah so I watched it for this episode I watched all you 13 watched all episodes of it? I watched oh, wow. the whole mm-hmm. day I burned through it like the last two weekends and what it's about is for those who don't know it's a teen drama on Netflix let me tell you what I can I know nothing about this let me tell you about it okay yeah, because tell me about it. Jason told me all about okay, it okay I can't wait it's about a girl who kills herself and she leaves VHS tapes. Audio tapes. She leaves audio cassette tapes and that's part of the plot is that they have to figure out a way to play cassette tapes because nobody right. even knows what they are because of course they're millennials. Right. And it's clues as to why she builds a story about why she committed suicide. Right. And every episode is another tape of why. Another person or another thing. Yeah. Right. Of why she committed suicide. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty much and it. And Selena Gomez was one of the like producers, producers. of it. A lot of people really love this, but a lot of people were kind of like it glamorizes suicide, a la Heathers and the greatest dad in the world. So yeah. totally got the title wrong, but what's it called? World's greatest dad, but whatever. Mm, shut up. We just talked about it. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, you got it right overall. 13 Reasons Why was also based off a book too by a guy named Jay Asher. So there was a book that came out before this, but yeah, you're pretty much on point with Thank what you. it's about. So it follows kind of this one teenage kid who's her friend, who mm-hmm. was her friend, and it's him listening to the tapes. And so each time he listens to another side is another episode of what it's about and they piece together. So let me talk about it because I watched the whole thing and it's it's interesting. First of all, it's actually well-made. It's yep. a well-made mystery. They make it interesting enough mystery-wise and it has a time shift that's effective because it kind of flashes forward and back. And you kind of know you're in a time shift because he has like a head wound. So when he doesn't have it, you know you're in the time when she's still alive. Okay. They do a good job with that. Some of the acting is really good and believable. Kids curse like real teenagers, so that's nice. They say fuck all the time, so that's mm-hmm. great. That's good. And also the soundtrack had some Joy Division and some Cure songs, so I'm, I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. There's some good pieces to this. Bad stuff is it's like the most heavy-handed, anti-bullying fucking thing ever. Right, sure. And it's essentially blaming everybody else for her suicide. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's sort of extortion anyway. It's sort of blackmail because she's going to release this tape to somebody, the media or right. something, these tapes, if, if the people who are named in these tapes don't listen to them all the way. And she has her one friend who's sort of like the keeper of these, not the main kid in here, but he's like a side character and he is the one that's going to reinforce that everybody listens to this stuff. I see. He's this Italian gay kid who looks 30, which I love that in TV shows where teenagers look really old. It's a really weird animal and I ultimately think it's a well-made show with a horrible theme. You know, this is an earnest, like, anti-suicide show, or at least on the surface, anti-suicide show, but it's more of an anti-bullying show because it has no insight to how she's feeling. Mm -hmm. Even though she's the narrator, they don't really go into depression issues because for the most part, most of the things that happen to her ain't that bad. Right. Certain things affect people depending on what you're going through emotionally, sure. but there's no insight to what she was going through emotionally. And spoiler, there's a 
rape that happens to her, but I feel like they had to put the rape in there to make everything else seem like it was bad enough for her to kill herself. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I feel like that's the duex machina of this show. Mm-hmm. And it's with the most douchiest, like, he's the most rapey character jock bro ever. Mm-hmm. As soon as he comes on the screen, you're like, that guy raped five people on his way to school this morning. You know, he's right. a lot of heavy handed stuff. But you're right. There seems to be a lot of negative stuff from that. I mean, there was a, in April 2017, the National Association of School Psychologists, which I didn't know that was a thing, released a statement regarding the series saying research shows that exposure to another person's suicide or graphic sensationalized accounts of death can be one of the many risk factors that youth struggle with mental health conditions cite as a reason they contemplate or attempt suicide. So actually viewing suicide can trigger somebody. Sure. I guess using it as a counterpoint, it's interesting how something that's really trying to touch on the topic from a straight up point of view, and there's plenty of movies, that's why I decided not to touch them. There's so many movies and after school specials that approach this issue with earnestness, wearing its heart on its sleeve, treating this topic with dead seriousness, no pun intended, but as you can tell, they mean well, but somehow they get it all wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it seems like this one has done that. On that note, I want to bring us to, and this is the final thing that we're going to talk about, is the Heathers remake. Now, first of all, the Heathers, let me back up and say Heathers was a musical, an off-Broadway musical, which is where they had the I Love My Dead Gay Son song, and supposedly it's great. You never saw it, did you? Mm-mm. So I think it was written in 2010 and had limited showings in 2013, but it made its off-Broadway debut on March 31st, 2014, and it played its final performance at New World Stages on August 4th, 2014. And it's not around anymore, but it had a short run, and I guess it got some pretty good reviews. The second Heathers thing is this Heathers remake, and I'm going to get you to watch the trailer right now. Fat kids can be popular. The preferred term is body positive. What about the Asian kids? And the genderqueer. Obviously, the gays and Jews are over. Gosh, Heather. Super mean way to treat the mentally challenged. Jesus. Who is this? I'm JD. I like your whole rebel thing. Let's snort Adderall. Make out. And kill Heather. What? What a tragedy. Tragedy? He was only paralyzed from the waist down. I wish Heather Chandler would just die so that I can finally be free. Heather Chandler killed herself this morning. She certainly didn't look suicidal. Her skin was flawless. Mm. Okay, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, seems maybe. I don't know. No, it looks terrible. Shannon Doherty, that's cool. Love okay. that. Maybe. Here's what I think happened. Is it out? No, I think it's coming out this year. First of all, I don't have a problem with making a Heathers for now because I think, one, it would probably be a great antidote to 13 Reasons Why. Mm-hmm. I think making another dark comedy based on Heathers could work very well. I also think it's still a relevant topic on white girl privilege. You know? I like the spin on She's a Big Girl and they were like, wait, a fat girl can be popular? I like that. I don't for this because I think that's not what Heathers was about. Sure, you haven't seen it yet though. You I saw the sure- trailer. I saw the trailer. The trailer didn't do any any favors. Uh-huh. I'm really surprised you're being this positive about it. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this to me: what it looks like is somebody didn't watch Heather's. They watched maybe a couple clips. They watched Mean Girls and thought it was the same movie. And they're just like, you know, everyone would like to be a mean girl. We're going to switch it up and we're going to empower the people that are usually picked on uh-huh. to be LGBT, the mean girls people, and uh-huh. make them the mean girls. And Heather's is not Mean Girls. Uh-huh. Heather's is about awful, fucking popular, terrible white girls. As a matter of fact, the Veronica character looks 
looks like she would have been one of the Heathers in the original movie. I thought she was one of the, the uh-huh. bad people at first. Blonde white girl's the hero, you know? Mm-hmm. JD's well, sort of an empty character in this one or so far, looking yeah. at the trailer. Right. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, so we don't know. We certainly haven't yeah. seen it yet, but the way it came off seemed like whoever made it had no idea what they were doing with it. Okay. Disagree. Interesting. I, well, I mean, we haven't seen it, so all we've seen is a trailer. I'm just going, and I'm just, I'm, the trailer, I'm, I'm like, okay, it looks like you did something a little different with it, which is good, because you don't need to remake Heathers. There's no reason for that. No. I'd be interested in hearing more. I'm not just going to sign onto the show because, right. you know, like whatever, but I'm interested in knowing more about it. It's going to be on the Paramount Network, so no one's going to see it anyway. Yes. But no, I appreciate your optimism. That's a change of pace. Yep. Based on what I saw so far, fuck that show, but it may be great. Mm-hmm. But I agree with a Heather's rebuke to something like 13 Reasons Why. Sure. And that's why I did this topic. I think that there's something inherently darkly funny about the reactions of some of these things and the human nature that it sort of exposes when it comes to glamorizing somebody after their death or their untimely death. I think doing that with humor is more effective than trying to have a self-serious show about it. That's why I really am impressed with these movies. And if you look at the ones that we talked about, Harold and Maude starts off dark and you're like, oh, what is this about? But it was very uplifting at the end. Even Heathers, which you know originally was going to have a darker ending, still had a nice type of hopeful ending at the end after all its darkness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you kind of come out the other end and it's a, a great movie and I think a great way of dealing with something so tragic as, as suicide. Yeah. What, do you got anything on that? Uh, is that the end? That's pretty much oh, it. Okay. No, uh, good. Good episode. I think you wrapped it up nicely. <laughs> <laughs> you got that's it? This is yeah. so anticlimactic. Sorry. That's what I got. All right. Well, uh, that's my suicide episode. Wacky ride to suicide. Some mm-hmm. wacky films. Like The End. That was wacky. But yeah. Anything to say at the end? Anything? I don't think so. I'm good. Thank you. It was a good episode. I learned a lot. All right. See you all next week. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today, along with pictures, videos, and additional resources. As well as Sunday Slum Day, our weekly recommendation for the best and sometimes worst films every Sunday night. If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies. The site's going to look at this book okay. while we're here. Mm-hmm. Drinking yourself to death. Yeah, That's yeah. Probably the way I'm going. <laughs> I don't know why I left it that.